Welcome to the sermon podcast for Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Central South Carolina. We thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the Word of God, and we pray that God will both bless you and speak to you as you listen and apply His Word to your life. Welcome to our Lifeline here at Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. So glad that we can be here again tonight. Thank you so much for those that have tuned in to watch live. And for those who might listen and watch later on, thank you so much as well for taking the time to join with us as we look into the Word of God. I am so excited to be able to share with you tonight what God has laid on my heart. And I pray that God would speak to you and show you fantastic things in the Old Testament that we're going to look at in the story of Rahab and her fantastic faith. Now, this is going to be a multi-part series, at least two parts, maybe more than that, because I'm probably only going to get to the introduction today that I want to share with you. But I want you to see Rahab and her fantastic the fantastic features of her faith. And I hope that you see this. I want you to see a picture of grace and mercy in the Old Testament. I want you to see a picture of faith in the Old Testament. I want you to see a picture of Jesus and his salvation, the blood of Christ in the Old Testament. I often have, you hear people saying, don't see Christ in the Old Testament, but you do. You see the pictures of salvation in the Old Testament. You see the pictures of his blood in the Old Testament. And I'm so excited that we get to look at one of those tonight. I was reading this in my Bible reading, in my chronological Bible reading, as I'm going through. And again, I'm a couple of weeks ahead of the church. So if so, I haven't gotten there yet. That's okay, because you're still a few weeks behind if you're following the schedule that we post each week for the church. Again, I'm just a little bit ahead and plan to be that way. I won't say that each week, but I just was amazed at what I saw, and I want you to be amazed as well. I'm amazed when I read the Word of God. This year, God has been speaking to me in a way that, unlike Times pass. That's the only way I know how to say that. We all go through times of excitement and times of, of just feeling, and, and, and not even just feeling, but knowing the presence of God. And whether we feel Him or not, we know that He's there. But as I've been reading the Word of God, it's just been fresh and new. And I pray that you're finding it that way as well. And I pray that you're reading the Word of God. In a couple of weeks, I plan on doing another look at the Word of God and how to read it, but also how to know how to get there, and, and what to do. If you're new to reading the Word of God, or if you just have not been a good reader, meaning, like me at times, guilty of not being as faithful to reading as possible, I'm going to share some things with you that may uh, just open your eyes and help you in your journey as you walk along. But tonight, I want to jump into this story in just a moment about uh, what God did in the life of Rahab. And I hope that you will see that. And at the very end, I'm going to share some prayer requests with you and some announcements with you at the end. And so I pray that you stick around for those as well. But tonight, let's open in a word of prayer, and then we're going to jump in with the reading of Joshua chapter 2. Joshua 
chapter 2. Welcome, church, friends, family, guests alike. Welcome. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you would help us as we read your word, as we pray to you, as we read your word tonight, that you'd help us to see this picture of Rahab and the wonderful images, the wonderful pictures, the painting that we see in her life and in this story. And God, I pray that you would help us to read your word daily, that we that you would word would come alive to us as we read it, that you would honor our faithfulness to read it, and that you would speak to our hearts. We know that you will because we know it's your word, but God, I pray that you would just come alive in our lives. Help us to live according to what we find therein. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to see Rahab and her fantastic features of faith, although, again, I'm not going to get to the features of her faith tonight, but I want you to know that's where we're going. But I want you to hold on with me, if you will. When you read your Bible, and I pray that you're reading your Bible, I pray that you're finding it as enjoyable as God intends for it to be, and I hope that you find it as enjoyable and exciting as the devil doesn't want you to see, and I pray that you are diving in. But when you read the Bible, be prepared to be shocked and amazed. The Word of God does not always fit our philosophies and our mindset, and so therefore we need to set aside our pride, set aside our perception, what we think is going to happen, and just let God speak. Let the Word of God speak to us and be amazed at what we see. We often have these perceptions of how God is or what God is. We put them in these boxes and we get this idea of what, the way, maybe it was the way we were raised or maybe it's something that we're going through in our life. And people often get the idea of, well, what is corresponding with me? That's what I'm going to see. Or my viewpoints, that's what I'm going to see. I, I think we need to set those things aside and just let the Word of God speak to us. But when you read the Word of God, you, you will find the Word of God does not always fit your ideology. And today's proof I offer is the story of Rahab, the, a most unlikely of characters that we find here that God used mightily to protect and provide for his people of Israel and also used her in the line, the lineage of Jesus Christ himself. She was the great, 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 I'm not sure how many greats right now, grandmother of Jesus Christ. And she is an amazing woman, and this is an amazing story. You know, the story of Rahab, we see this great woman of faith, but we also see the beautiful picture of salvation. We also see grace and mercy and providence and provision all right here in this story. Let me go ahead and read the first seven verses tonight. We may read more later. I may skip around some, but tonight I'm going to read the first seven verses, and then we'll, we'll continue to dive in. Verse 1 of Joshua chapter 2. And Joshua the son of Nun set out Shittim, two men set out of Shittim, two men to spy secretly, saying, "Go view the land, 
even Jericho, and they went and came into it an harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. Now that doesn't blow your mind right there. Now I know some of us, most of us are familiar with this story, but if that doesn't blow your mind right there, I'm not sure what will, but let's just hold on. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them, and said thus, there came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whether the men went out, I what not. Pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. In other words, they've already gone out of here. I didn't know who they're from, but they've already gone out of here. And if you chase after them quick, you'll catch them. For she had brought them up to the roof of the house, and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid on, in order upon her roof. In other words, she was house was built on the wall and on top of the wall there, and then she had these flax stalks on top of her roof for her roof, and she hid them up there. And the men pursued after the way to Jordan unto the fords, and as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. I want you to see this story, and I want you to see this story of faith. But I also want you to see every other aspect. You know, the word faith is a common one in the New Testament. We are saved by grace through faith. Faith in Jesus Christ, what He did on the cross, what God did in the act of love in sending Himself or sending His Son, which is God in man's form, on the earth to die for you and for me who had no other way and that is a picture of that that is salvation we repent of sin turn our faith to Jesus Christ that's all throughout the new testament we see the word faith all over the place dozens hundreds of times we see the word faith talk about the new testament and faith is described and defined in the new testament saving faith is about a conviction, or it means conviction basically, or a persuasion that what God had said is true and that it is faith in His work of love in Christ alone to pay the debt of sin that we have because we are born into sin, therefore we do sin, therefore we miss the mark of that is God's standard and we have no way to reach the mark that is God's standard and unless we do we cannot be with God because God cannot tolerate less than His standard of righteousness and therefore that sin, that shortcoming, separates us from God. And Christ's death on the cross, that and that alone, pays the price of our sin. And when we repent of sin and put our faith in Him and what He did to His Son on the cross, then we allow our debts to be paid in full. That's the picture of faith in Christ in the New Testament. But did you know that the word faith or the idea of saving faith or the word that would be defined as saving faith is nowhere in the Old Testament? Look for it. You can't find it. There's two places where the word faith is used and neither one mean the same kind of faith that it takes to save you. 
That may shock you. It surprised me as I was studying and as I was looking and I was looking at this picture of Rahab and I saw this picture of faith and that nowhere in the Old Testament do we see this kind of faith or saving faith, the word that is defined or it would be translated saving faith that we see in the New Testament, we don't find it in the Old. Isn't that amazing? But look at here, only two times we find the word faith in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 32, 20, it says, And he said, I will hide my face. Oh my God, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be, for they are a very forward generation, children in who is no faith. Or children in whom is no faith. Now, in other words, God is talking about Israel, and he says, I'm going to, I already know it's going to happen, but there's no faith in them. And that meant no faithfulness or no trustworthiness, because the word in the Hebrew there is the word amun or amun is how it's pronounced, and it basically means trustworthy. So, therefore, I'm going to turn my face away from them because they are not trustworthy. And then in Habakkuk 2, 4, we find this verse, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. And you say, well, right there it is, talking about faith. It's not the same faith as faith placed in Christ. I mean, you really can't because Christ, the name Christ isn't in the Old Testament, although the Son of God certainly is there, and He's been forever because He is God, but back at 2-4, the word is imuna. Uh, again, the word was amun, but in Habakkuk, it's imuna, and it means faithfully or with stability. In other words, this verse is saying, but the just shall live by His faithfulness, his dedication. The word in the New Testament, the Greek word that we would, when we're talking about saving faith, is pistis or pistos, but pistis in particular is the word, and it means persuasion or conviction. Persuasion or conviction. All throughout the New Testament, no word means the same thing. Uh, obviously, pistis is a Greek word, but it's not in the Old Testament. No Hebrew word that means saving faith is in the Old Testament. But we see in Rahab a picture of saving faith. And that's what we're going to see next week. But right now, so Rahab is a picture that we see of faith. And we see the earmarks or the characteristics of a fantastic faith. That should be the trademarks that mark our own life, our own faith. And so that's why I want us to look at those, and we will, if we have a saving faith, we will have these earmarks, these trademarks, these characteristics of the faith that Rahab had. So now, what in these verses do we see, do we learn about Rahab. What do we know about her? Well, we know that she was a woman of faith first and foremost. And I'm bringing that up first because the New Testament tells us that most, or at least when we read it, it seems to indicate she was a woman of faith in the God of the Bible before these two Israelite spies showed up. 
Let me show it to you. Hebrews 11.31 says this. You don't have to turn it. I'm just going to go ahead and read it to you, but if you want to mark it down. Hebrews 11.31 says this. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she received the spies with peace. In other words, she was a believer and didn't perish with those that believed not. And then in James 2.25, uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it says that she was justified. Now, we're justified by Jesus, by the blood of Jesus Christ, but she was justified by her works of faith. That says justified by her works, but it was the works of her faith and what she did. So, therefore, she was a woman of faith. Understand that. A woman of faith, most likely before, or we would have to make the argument, according to the New Testament, that before these Hebrew spies even came in, she believed in the God of the Bible. She believed, in the, so how could she believe in the God of the Bible? She didn't have the Bible. Let me rephrase. She believed in the God of Israel, the true and living God. She believed that God was going to give the land to the Israelites. She had seen what God, she had heard what God had done in Egypt. She had heard about the crossing over of the Red Sea. She had heard about that, about how God had given victory over the other armies, the other nations that were around Jericho before she crossed over the Jordan into uh, to take over the Canaan land. So we know that. We know that she was a Canaanite. She was not a, of course, she was not a Hebrew. She was not a Jew, as we use the word today. She was not an Israeli. She was not an Israelite. She was a Canaanite. What we would call a heathen, or not, we say heathen, a Gentile. She was saved. She was not heathen. She was not pagan, but she came from a pagan country, and certainly we see that she was a Canaanite. Not only that, and this is why it's amazing that God used her, but she also was a prostitute, a harlot. Now, here's the thing. In the Old Testament, the word harlot could mean the keeper of an inn. It could also be translated that. And so we might say, well, maybe she wasn't really a prostitute. Maybe she really wasn't adulteress. Maybe she really wasn't uh, committing those acts of sin. But when you read over in the New Testament, in the Greek, and in both those verses I gave you, it calls her a harlot. That Greek word harlot means prostitute, hooker. Isn't it amazing? I see an amazing picture of how God used a person who was not a Jew. God used a person who was not a man. God used a person who was a prostitute, and she was a liar because she lied about the two spies being in her house. Isn't it amazing how God can use the most unlikely people to serve Him and fulfill His purposes? Neither her harlotry past or current, we don't know, nor her dishonesty is commended by God. In other words, it's not to say, hey, look at this, do this, but it's certainly God used her in spite of those faults and those flaws. Just like God can use you and me despite our sin, 
You know, we often say, well, harlotry or, or, or being a prostitute, that's horrible. Or and then we might not quite say the same thing about lying because we know we're guilty of that. But lying is as bad as harlotry. Idolatry is as bad as adultery. And I'm telling you, homosexuality is as bad as being disrespectful to your parents or being disrespectful to your parents is as bad as homosexuality. Sin is sin, and God used the sinner Rahab, just like he uses the sinner me, just like he can use the sinner you. It's amazing. But in this story, we see God's mercy and we see God's grace using this flawed Canaanite woman in his plans. And not just his plans of that day, but his plans of all days and of all time. Because it was thousands of years later that she actually, or 1,500 years later or so, that she actually became, or, or her great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandson would be Jesus. But not only do we see pictures of grace and mercy and faith in this picture, not only do we see ourselves where God can use us in this picture, but in, the, in her story we see a picture of the salvation of God. Watch this now. I didn't read this to you yet, but if you know the story of Rahab, you may recall this part. And I want you to see where it says, she tells the spies, I want you to save me. When you come, and this is why I say she already has the faith that God is going to deliver the land into the hand of Joshua and the Israelites. Because in verse 12, actually in verse Nine, she says, she said unto them, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that it is your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sion and Og, and how you utterly destroyed them. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and in the earth beneath. Do you see your face? Do you see her faith? Now watch this. Here's the picture of salvation. Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord. And she uses the word L, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Since I have showed you kindness, that she will show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token, that you will save me alive, my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. That's what we do to Jesus. We call on God and say, God, because of Jesus Christ, because, God, save me. And the men answered her, Our life for yours, if, we, if ye utter not this our business, and it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. And she lets them down from a rope out of her window so they can escape. And then it says, if you go on down, verse uh, 17, And the men said unto her, We will be blameless of this thine oath, which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come to the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet 
thread in the window which thou didst let us down by, and thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be upon our head, if any hand be upon him. In other words, whoever's in your house, you'll be saved alive if you take this scarlet thread and put it in your window. Mark your house with the scarlet thread and you will be saved and all that are in your house. Now, that is a foreshadowing, a picture of the scarlet blood of Jesus Christ that would be shed and therefore marks our lives and washes our lives white as snow. And when we turn to him for forgiveness and repentance and we turn to him for salvation, it is his blood that was shed for us just like it is a scarlet thread that marked her house. It is the blood of Jesus that marks our lives. And watch this. This is a picture of salvation that is coming in the New Testament with Jesus that we see here in the Old. We also saw the picture of Noah and the ark. All that were in the ark were saved from the judgment of God. God destroyed everything else except those that were in the ark. The ark is a picture of salvation. We also saw Moses who was saved by the basket. The basket can be a picture of salvation. And then we also saw the crossing of the Red Sea out of Egypt. The Egypt, as I told you last week, was a picture of the world or of sin, and they were delivered from sin, crossing over on the superhighway through what? The Red Sea on dry land. Oh, my friends, there's so many more pictures of the gospel, so many more pictures of Jesus Christ, so many pictures of salvation right there in the Old Testament. And this is one with the scarlet, the scarlet thread that marked her house. And by the way, going back to the exiting out of Egypt, take you back to Passover, the first Passover, the Passover of the death angel, when at the before the last plague, the tenth plague, when the son would be the firstborn would be die in all the land, except if you took the blood of the lamb and you marked the doorposts and the lentil of your house, and that blood, that red that marked your home, whoever was in the house would be saved from the death angel. And now here she is, and those that were in the house that were marked with the scarlet thread would be saved. And what pro was promised came to fruition as she and her family, the only righteous people in, or the only people of faith, or the only person of faith, Rahab, rescued, alive. Oh, my friends, it's a wonderful picture. It's a picture of God's providence. Isn't it amazing how God, in His providence, took the two Israelites and led them to the only person of faith in all of Jericho so that she could save them? And how God, in His providence, led you and me, if we're saved, to the only person who can save us, Jesus Christ. 
we are saved. And just as they promised Rahab that she would be delivered, and just as she was, so too shall we who have put our faith and been marked by the blood of Jesus Christ and washed clean shall one day find a home in heaven. Oh, what a wonderful picture of faith and mercy and grace and providence that we see in Rahab. And next week, next week, we will look and see these characteristics of faith. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would be with us tonight, that you would speak to us tonight. God, I pray that you would help us to see the exciting images that we see in this book, this, this story, this account, this true event of Rahab. And God, I pray that you would help us to see what you want us to see. Help us to see your son. Help us to see your power. Help us to see your work. Help us to see how we can be used despite our flaws, despite our failures, despite our shortcomings, if we're a people of faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We thank you for listening to this message from the Word of God. At Pleasant Hill, we desire to be a help and a blessing to you. If you have any questions or prayer requests, or if we can be a help to you in your walk with God, we invite you to contact us here at Pleasant Hill by visiting our website at phbc.online. Thank you, and may God bless you.